Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Chryso. That's what. Chryso. Thank you. There you go. You didn't know what I said there, because it's telling badly. <laughs> That's Welsh for good evening. And obviously, welcome to this very special BAFTA Wales evening here at BAFTA London. Thank you so much for making it through the weather. I know several people couldn't, not just uh, in the audience as well, but on our panel. But that's not going to stop us having a, a very special evening tonight. Uh, we're going to look at the first footage that anyone has seen, and that includes most of the cast uh, who have not seen this stuff before. Uh, a trailer and um, some meaty clips from a new film, Apostle, which is shot in Wales, crewed by countless Welshmen and women, uh, and acted by them too. It really is the biggest production that I think has ever been made in Wales. We're going to find out exactly how that was done uh, and what that means for, for Welsh cinema, for British cinema, uh, and for the production itself. It was directed uh, by Gareth Evans, who's been off in Indonesia for a few years, making massive hits like Raid 1 and Raid 2. Um, and uh, he came back to Wales to make this, which is extraordinary uh, and carries all that energy as well as you're going to see. So we've all, we're delighted to have Gareth with us tonight, so you can ask him questions and I will ask him questions. We've got the producer, Ed, as well, and we've also got the stars of the film, Michael Sheen and Ellen Reese, and the guy who shot the film, Matt Flannery. So we're really going to find out about this movie. And it's going to be a very interesting Q&A session because we haven't got the movie to show you, so we're kind of going to reenact it for you right here. <laughs> Charging horses, shouting villagers, torches, the lot. It's going to be... You were a villager. We've got a villager as well, even, as well. A vocal villager as well, so that's good. We've started well. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do first is we're going to see... It's, it's not really the trailer, it's more like a sizzle reel uh, for Apostle to get us in the mood. And then we're going to meet uh, the people that made it and go the, further and further into the, into the mud of Wales, the Welsh mud, and find out how Apostle was made. So please enjoy the first ever showing of Apostle. As I went down in the valley to pray, studying about that good old way, when you shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mourner, let's go down, let's go down, let's go down. Oh. Valley to pray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord, 
Now you're intrigued. <laughs> yes. I think I forgot to tell you I'm Jason Solomon. I'm so intent on trying to say welcome in Welsh, <laughs> but I forgot to welcome myself. Um, so I am still Jason Solomons. Uh, that was Apostle. Uh, I'm going to get uh, the, the guys who produced it and the guy who wrote it and directed it first. So would you please first welcome onto the stage here at BAFTA, Gareth Evans. <laughs> and joining him is producer Ed Talvin. Welcome. Congratulations, guys. That looks, that looks fantastic. I have to say, it looks fantastic. It looks intriguing. It looks bloody. It looks exciting. Um, I mean, as I said, I, don't, I haven't read the script, but it looks like Dan Stevens is the outsider and he comes to a small village somewhere and meets Lucy Boynton and he shouldn't, and Michael Sheen's angry about it, <laughs> I think. That's, that's pretty much it, yeah. Right. I finally got to make my rom-com, which is a good thing for me. <laughs> um, tell us about the Apostle and, and, and where you... I mean, tell us, what, first of all, because I thought you were in Indonesia. The last time I saw you, yeah. you were making Raid 2 in Indonesia. So uh, I spent about seven or eight years of my life in Indonesia um, being gifted a, an opportunity to have a career in film, really, to be honest, by uh, being very lucky enough to meet some of the people I worked with out there, so the martial arts practitioners who became the stars of the films we made. Does everyone, does everyone know the Raid film? Yeah, it's not about yeah. exterminating ants or not that sort of raid. It's like They're amazing. similarly gentle, I think, <laughs> yeah. as well. It's an amazing, uh. amazing kinetic martial arts experience. It's brilliant action films. One of the, the best action films made this century. So, yeah, so we, we, we made those films, and it was one of those things whereby I was in this odd position where, you know, first of all, it's weird being a Welshman in Southeast Asia making martial arts films. Um, but then it was this weird thing where it was kind of like I'd always dreamed of being a filmmaker for many, many years. Ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to do it. At first, I wanted to be an actor, and then I realized I was terrible at it. So I thought <laughs> I'd better write and direct instead. Um, and so it was a weird feeling to kind of be out there having this experience and having, you know, this relative success with those films. Um, but in the back of my mind, there was always something I was like, I wanted to do something back home. I wanted to, and, and also, I wanted to do something that would be in my own language as well. Because I was always directing things in, in a foreign language. So uh, when we moved back to Wales, it was this opportunity. I got introduced to Ed, I think through Todd Brown, who yeah, I'd known sure. through XYZ, our producing partners. And Todd had sent me, um, it was Stanley back then, The Passing. That's right, yeah. Uh, which was Ed's film, and, and when I watched that, I was kind of blown away, first of all, by the, by the quality, by the tone and the mood of that mm -hmm. film, which was a beautiful film, by the way. And so uh, we met up and had like, a coffee, and we were just kind of like, I want to make something here, and I need someone who's going to be a steady hand to guide me through it. And it was in the same way my producer in Indonesia introduced me to all of the crews out there. I had Ed that I could lean on to introduce me to the Ed, crews. Ed, your, your production going to be seven screen. Did you think you were going to be doing a sort of Welsh raid that would be the sort of you know, it was, action? It was very, um, I mean, f from, uh, from my point of view, I mean, I'd heard a rumour that Gareth was back uh, in the UK, back in Wales, I think from Todd, as you say, and then we met for a drink. And it was, uh, it was, it was great to meet Gareth. I was a big fan of the raid. And Gareth being Gareth at the end of the meeting, at the end of the coffee, was like, yeah, we should make a film together sometime. And, I, and you know, people say that, and you think that's never actually going to happen. And then about nine months later, Gareth's like, I've got the script, and, I, and then this is the plan. And, I, and I, so I was just like, geez, this is, this is astonishing. So it just away. arrived fully, yeah, fully yeah, formed. Yeah. But and what, 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 I mean, what was the, what, what you're reading of it, what was the, you know, sum it up, pitch it to us here, because we haven't well, got it. It, it. it was just, it was, it was huge. 
and ambitious, and, uh, and, I, and I felt excited and terrified by it at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I was excited by the fact of uh, I believed in the Welsh crews we'd been working with, and I felt that they could all come on board and help Gareth realise the vision, but I also knew that we were all going to be sort of stepping up into a scale, into a forum that maybe we hadn't operated in before. And, um, am, I, am I right in saying it's the biggest production I, in I, Wales? I, think, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly... Um, it, it's quite rare to have a project of this scale in Wales where you've got a Welsh writer and director and a Welsh crew across the board and a lot of Welsh cast and a lot of... So it's a sort of... Um, I think it's a, it's a really significant project for Wales. And, Gareth, was that something that you, you wanted to do? You wanted to do it in Wales and, and use as many Welsh you know, crew and, and, and cast well, as you could? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I grew up in, in the valleys and I grew up seeing places and looking at you know, potential you know, locations you, where we played with as kids. And you kind of walk around, you look at different scenic views. And then you don't really... Until you start making films and you start realizing, oh, that would be perfect for this scene, or this would be perfect for that scene. And um, I think the film screen came on board to help me, take me around um, through different parts of Wales on a location scout in the midst of writing. And fair play, it was like being able to see all these different places, it was almost giving us new ideas for scenes. So um, for me, it was a, a no-brainer, really. It was an opportunity to kind of use the landscape and use the places that were around us to tell this story. Um, so tell us what the, what the story is, because I, I kind of preceded it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so basically, it's about a guy called Thomas Richardson, played by Dan Stevens, who um, is a man who's like, lost his faith and has fallen down a lot in his life. And he gets a letter that's been delivered to his father that, saying that his sister has been taken, that she's been kidnapped, and that she's been taken to this island community where there's a, a leader of a religious cult played by Mr. Sheen here. Um, and uh, he ne basically, he needs to go there in order to sort of like bring her back in order to get her out. But he can't just go there with like a ransom and say, here, can I have her now? He needs to infiltrate that sort of society. So he goes in under the guise of a new member of the faith. And so um, in doing so, he starts to uncover a lot of the sort of secrets and lies that have been going on in that community themselves. And is it, did you set it on an island? It's not a specific island. It's not actually No, or... we, 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 looked at, we looked at a couple of islands, didn't we? Where was the one off, just off Barry Island? Um, off... Oh, um, uh, Flathome and Steeple. Yes, yeah. which was really interesting to look at but not so practical to shoot on. <laughs> and so, um, in all fairness, Gaz Skeldin, our locations manager, who was, who was brilliant and took us to lots of different places, he found us a patch of um, Margham Park. And I, I never kind of like even... Where's Margham? Margham Park is nearby Port Talbot. So it's, 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 uh, it's this beautiful sort of like, you know, um, beautiful, like, what is it, estate yeah. area? So yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old manor. Michael, you know the history of this one. It's a manor house, isn't it? They're, yeah. And He's from Portal. Yeah, Portal yeah. Boy. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing park uh, that was then transformed by an amazing art department into a. Uh... So all that we saw, we saw in the. It was all uh, built from it, scratch. It all built. <laughs> all built. Every every stick of furniture, every house, every property we built it. Uh, well, we built it. The production design team built it. World Carpenters built it. Um, we turned up and looked at it right. in, in our clean yeah. wellies um, yeah. while it's they not, were up to their eyes in mud. It's but, not um, that low budget that you actually had to get no, 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 no. these and do some story. <laughs> not quite. But it was, it was incredible. I mean, they built it in eight to nine weeks in probably the worst conditions they could have. It was January, February. So it was cold. Yeah. It was cold. It was, just, it was astonishing. I mean, it's just that it was just sort of, I couldn't, I was just having nightmares because it, you, you'd go to the sites and the JCBs were sinking and the houses were sinking and the people were sinking because it was just raining. And then from the first day that we started shooting, April the 3rd until June the 3rd, it, I think it rained for like twice a, for like a day. 
was astonishing. Right. Yeah. So this, April the 3rd, June the 3rd, as in just now, just like in 2017? Yes. yes. So yeah. it's that fresh? That yes. fresh, yeah. yeah. Uh, is, it, is it finished now? Um, we are about a month away from finishing everything. We still have like some VFX shots that were being completed at the moment. Um, and then we're going back in for a little bit more grading, a little bit more sound mixing. And then it should well, be it, looks, it looks fabulous already. I'll tell you what we'll do. I think we, we've got sort of 10 minutes of, the, yes. of it to see. Um, we've got, I think that, I don't know if there are two scenes, I think they go it's, back It's back one big long section, it's all, it's all, all sequential, it's all linear. So where, whereabouts in the movie so is this? we are in sort of day two of uh, Dan's character having infiltrated the island, and uh, the night before this scene he started to investigate and look under the cover of darkness to see what he can find and if he can find where his sister's being held. Um, and we are joining this scene basically with uh, Michael's character having learned that someone they don't know who, but someone from the new arrivals has been out and about right, after curfew. Right, so he's suspicious, yeah. So yeah, so he wants to find out. So, like they say in the snooker highlights, we join the action uh, on day two of Apostle. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll look at that, uh, and you, you can kind of get, get submerged into the world of Apostle. Then we'll come back and we'll bring uh, uh, the rest of our guests on, the, on to the stage here at BAFTA. Sounds good. So let's have a, let, a little bit more in-depth look at Apostle. As you can see, ladies and gentlemen, building sets is, uh, is something that's very much in the DNA of BAFTA and BAFTA Wales tonight. Still and sparkling, look at that, BAFTA. Thank you very much, guys. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to go there, here. Colour-coded as well, look at that as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you saw uh, Apostle, so I'm, we're going to delve deeper into that because there's clearly a lot to, uh, to, to talk about and, uh, and explain. It is a, a, a movie that will premiere uh, on Netflix as well, so that's another interesting aspect uh, to this. Uh, that's where this, uh, this big-budget Welsh, uh, Welsh uh, extravaganza epic will, uh, will take place on Netflix. So let's welcome back uh, the writer and director, Gareth Evans. <laughs> and producer, Ed Talvin. And I'm delighted. It does say all those people. The, the snow has kind of put paid to. Unfortunately, Lucy Boynton won't be able to join us. Nor Mark Lewis Jones is held up on the uh, by the snow. But we do have the. Well, she looks a lot better now than she did just before. <laughs> Ellen Reese. <laughs> oh, are you feeling all right? Good. Uh, the, uh, the director of photography of this, that extraordinary look that you've seen, Matt Flannery. <laughs> and the man shooting in his back garden, the Port Talbot man, you know him as, I've seen him as Brian Clough and Tony Blair, and uh, he's a master of sex as well, apparently. <laughs> uh, the Golden Globe nominated Michael Sheen. I'm going to put you there. Brilliant. Please sit down, everybody. Welcome to the stage. Welcome to BAFTA. Um, 
uh, Michael, if I will, I'll start with you, because I say you're, you're filming in, in, in your back garden. I mean, Portal was where you grew up. Yeah, I stayed with my mum and dad. Saving a fortune. Yeah, on, waking on up the... every day <laughs> at my so, mum and dad's house. I mean, was that something that was attractive to you about the project in the first place, that, the, the fact that it was there? Uh, it was one of the reasons, but it was a combination of things. I'd, I'd heard of Gareth for a while. I'd watched the Raid films, so I, you know, uh, a director from Hirwain making <laughs> Indonesian martial arts films <laughs> made my ears prick up. So, uh, so obviously, when when a, a project, when a script came along from Gareth, I was already interested. Um, the fact that it was shooting in in Wales, let alone in Patalvat, was was great, um, and the script was terrific. I thought it was great. It was not the sort of thing that, as far as I was aware, was getting made mm. in Wales, certainly. And, um, and I thought Gareth brought a kind of uh, a, 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 an auteurish, vision, visionary filmmaking aspect to it that I thought would be really exciting for a, for a Welsh film. So, uh, and I loved the part. Yeah. So uh, all those things kind of went together. It's all the boxes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, tell us about the, the part. Gareth sort of explained roughly who you were, but the, tell yeah. us about, about the character and, uh, and how you got to him. And uh, uh, another in a line of extraordinary Michael Sheen haircuts. It is. There is definitely. <laughs> I've always said that the, the, the best part about any performance I give is the hair. <laughs> the hair does all the work. Um, well, the, 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 he's sort of one of three men who come to this island and we see in flashback. Um, who uh, have been, well, he considered himself a political prisoner. Um, and I can't remember how much of this is in the film and how much is my <laughs> own backstory, so yeah. I, you'll have to forgive me. But um, they, they are being sort of transported, essentially, uh, uh, by ship, and there's a shipwreck, and they end up on this island, these three friends. Mm. Um, and one of them was the jailer of the other two. So me and the character that Mark Lewis-Jones plays were in prison, and they managed to convert the jailer. Well, I managed to convert the jailer with my political, religious ways, um, uh, and and then we end up in this uh, shipwreck, and then we get to the island, and we discover things on the island that then allows me to set up a sort of cult on this island, a new religion. Mm. And when I was when we were talking about the character, I I was really excited about the idea of playing in Welsh even though it's not set in Wales, necessarily. Mm. Um, but I, I started doing some research into what was going on around the time that the film was set. What, what period are we talking? Sort of turn of the century, really, of, of you know 19th into 20th century, beginning of the 20th century. Um, and I started looking up the Welsh revival that was going on, 1904, 1905, Evan Roberts, and all those sort of things. And so I like the idea of a mixture of a man who is both moved by politics by the kind of growing labor movement and a kind of communist communal kind of way of looking at things and this kind of religious fervor as well and those two things coming together in this in this man yeah it looks like you're having from what just from those it just <laughs> looks like you're having a great fun with it as well i mean that you can't yeah not, i mean it's a serious thing that he's doing but this that passion is burning in your in, in your eyes in every close-up yeah well the idea of someone being so uh, you know, being able to, to, to get people to come and live on an island, you know, these harsh conditions, and to get them to create an alternative community, I thought, you've, there's got to be a real fire in this man, you know, and you've got the, the double whammy of both being a kind of political man and a religious man, and the, and the fervor of that, I thought, was really exciting. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it's, one, it's one of those characters that we sort of, 
you understand, but he becomes, he's such a villain, but you become so magnetic as well. When, when, you, when you've got someone like that, and you mentioned finding a backstory for him, do, do you, do you like, like the people that you play? Do you have to find a certain scintilla of humanity that you go, oh, I like yeah. this guy? Might I mean, part of what Gareth and I talked about with the character was the idea of trying to make sure that he's not just a villain, yeah. you know, that this is a man who has a vision and a vision of a sort of utopian, a better way of living. And I think his values and his ideals started off as being really um, noble, you know, in lots of ways, and, and that he's compromised bit by bit over time, you know. And I thought that was fascinating about how to see the corruption of ideals and that it's bit by bit, you know. There was no big turning point when he went, now I'm going to be a meanie. He was just, <laughs> like, his, he so wants to hold on to this vision that, you, that he hasn't <laughs> noticed how far he's come. Like, suddenly he finds himself doing things that, you know, if you'd said at the beginning to him, you're going to end up mm. doing X, Y, and Z, mm. you go, no, absolutely, I won't. But then suddenly he has to take stock yeah. of what, and, and he does. So, so I like that idea because then you're not playing a bad guy. You're not playing, you're playing a man who is trying to hold on to something and you can become desperate by doing that. So then that becomes interesting to me to play. Yeah. You can't play, I always remember my old youth theatre director, Godfrey Evans, saying, Never play the result. Just because you know where something goes in the end, don't play that. Play the resistance to that, you know. So I find that interesting. Brilliant. Oh, that's, and acting tips as well while we're here. <laughs> um, Gareth, is that, that's, is that the, the guy you imagined? I mean, when you always get actors coming to actually sort of, you know, play your script yeah. and bring it to life, they always bring an extra... Know, I mean, a few more dimensions to it. That, that was the fascinating thing about, like, not just when I had a chance to meet with Michael, because then we met and had dinner once to chat about the script in the very, very early stages, um, but also in all the read-throughs that we did before shooting began. And it was, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you start off with the script in your head and you, you start to put it down, but it's just you in a room and it's not really kind of like, you get the characters talking as much as you can get them, but it's only when you really workshop it in a room and you start you know, hearing ideas come forth mm. from all the cast members, what they feel like their character would do in that environment, that you start to really get uh, a more of a sort of reality starting to emerge then. And, and it was, I think one of the notes that Michael gave was this idea of the differentiation between the three people who kind of, when they arrived on Ireland, and then seeing to what lengths they would go to in order to sort of maintain the sort of the, the ecosystem they created there. And, and that, was, that was a big strength, and I think, and that was one of those things that we kind of worked on and adapted as we were, as we were sort of developing the script mm. then. I mean, it must have been, Ed, it must have been, sort of, you mentioned building it before when we were talking, and, uh, you know, seeing that village come together and, and having people you know, live there and, and, and sort of work there. Did you, did you feel like you spent, you know, three months there on, a, you know, almost in a sort of it was just, camp? It, it, it's, it's astonishing, and, and it's kind of the, uh, it's one of the, the pure joys, I think, of being involved in this kind of endeavour is just the... She, you know, you turn up on a mountainside and there's nothing there. Mm. And then somebody with a notebook and a pencil is saying, in 10 weeks' time, there's going to be a village here. 15 houses, and, a, you know, and, and not only facades of houses, but every single house, you can go into the house and you can go upstairs and you can film 360 degrees. So it was just, a, it was an amazing, um, it was an ama amazing and terrifying set of weeks, yeah. isn't it? Is you know, it still it's, there? No. No, it's, no, it's not. It, it's sort of, you go there now and it's completely disappeared and you think, Hang on a minute, a year ago, we were all standing on that mountain <laughs> making this film. Oh, if it was still there, I genuinely would have tried to live in it. In yeah. <laughs> it would have become Sheen World. <laughs> Welcome to Sheen World, everyone, <laughs> in Patalva. Sheenland. I think uh, yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton's got one. Exactly. Everyone's got one. It's, exactly. it's about time they had one before yeah. even Wales. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like Ed was saying, that was the strength of like, Tom Pierce's design, because Tom Pierce was a production designer on the film, and he 
brought so much to this film. Like we had meetings way before, like while we were still kind of getting towards the second, third draft of scripting, we got on board that early. And we were able to talk about the world, talk about the architecture, talk about where the influences came from. We went for kind of like a, an American Gothic style for some mm -hmm. of the buildings. Yeah, there's got a sort of Western exactly. element. Like yeah, that. definitely. And we, we made the sort of the central strip line so we could use that for, for the design and the layout of the, the village. But on top of that, it was this idea that we kind of started talking about the characters. We were like, well, look, I mean, they've, they've turned up. But you know, if it was me going on that island, I wouldn't be able to build a house. I wouldn't know how a house would, I wouldn't know how to do that. So there might be you know, a few people who were skilled at carpentry on the island, but a lot of them probably not. And so we started like messing around with different designs of different sort of little shanty huts and houses mm -hmm. where you can see bits of scrap wood. And we talked about the idea of like, you know, with the pilgrims, the idea of that you would build houses using the wood of the boat that you traveled on. So there were certain rooftops and certain structures that had basically like an upturned rowboat would be the roof of a, of a small little dwelling. So we, 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 you know, Tom brought so many of these amazing ideas and, and then looked for ways, that, sorry, I'm going off on one now, but looked for ways to sort of bring in the production design within the themes of the film as well. So we noticed things like the, the, the masts of a boat would, could be a, like little sort of iconic moments where it's like the crucifix. Yeah. So we could play up to the religion. Sort of really you've got to remember all this. When it, when, it, when it goes on Netflix and you watch the premiere, you'll have to remember all those details. And you heard the little pop-up video type. Yeah, thing, you know? absolutely. And it does, I, mean, I'm, I don't know if you agree, Alan, but as an actor, it makes such a massive difference that you're, it, I mean, it was for real. Mm. You weren't on a, you know, a set, you're not on a soundstage. Like it was real. You could go in all the houses. It was a proper and the, village. And this church that we see. Yeah, we see and the there. church. And it makes such a massive difference just for the, you know, the imaginative world as, as you're acting. You, because it's, you don't have to act. It's, mm. it's for real. Mm. Ellen, to bring you in there, and we saw you getting, getting your hair cut. <laughs> a little trim. You have terrible barbers in, in this village. Um, <laughs> tell us about, your, tell us about your, um, your, your character and, what, and what's happening to you there. So I play Jennifer, who's Thomas is sister, so um, Dan Stevens' sister. So I, I, when, you, when you first meet her, she's already been held hostage for, what did we say, a, a, a few months. weeks, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're weeks, hostage, I, you didn't yeah. go on? on no, your, no, they've, take, they've taken me, well, I, I imagine so. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Check that now. It was a package tour, it went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so, so she's, been, she's been held captive and obviously starved and, and tortured the whole time. And, um, and that's kind of when you, when you first find her. And, um, and, yeah, she kind of just goes through it a bit. I don't know The rest of it becomes quite say. spoilery, doesn't yeah, it? Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm not allowed to that. So, you're, to you're, I mean, so he, that, you're, the one, you're the damsel in, in quite a lot of distress yeah. that is yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to be rescued by, by Dan Stevens. Uh, what well, was it for you? A production this big. I've probably been in Welsh TV and some movies for quite some time as well. But something this big coming to your to your your home kind of home turf. How mm. how how was it feeling? And, and seeing I guess people that you've worked with many times before, but on a much bigger scale. Yeah, I mean it's always lovely when you come when you get to work at home. It's just lush um, <laughs> and <laughs> I <is> nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I have noticed a difference over the last five or six years. I've worked on quite a big, uh, few big budget mm. stuff in Wales, which is just really lovely to see all this work come to Wales. Um, and I think Wales has got so much to offer. Like, you were speaking about locations mm. in terms of 
landscapes. You know, you've got like miles and miles of vast beaches and huge mountains and valleys, and it's just really special. It lends itself so well for like stuff across so many different genres, but especially stuff like this that's epic. Um, so yeah, it was it was great, and and obviously. It's, it is a small community, even though there's so much stuff being filmed in Wales, like you know so much of the crew always, and like everybody's got such a shorthand. And even though it, you're working on something like this, which is for like Netflix and working with Gareth, it didn't feel like that. It felt very much um, a real small family, and it wasn't like a big, you know, video village and them and us divide. It was a real sense of just, it was very easy and calm, and it was just, it was a really nice atmosphere, wasn't it? And I think that kind of trickles down from Gareth because, as you can tell, he's like the nicest man <laughs> ever. And I think when somebody leads like that from the top, it just sets such a, like, sort of a standard and like, everybody's just... And what did you think? Did you, had you seen the, did you see the raids the, yeah. before? But did, when you knew you got the job or had you known it already? Because no, I hadn't watched it before I got the job, but I, I watched them... Well, no, not before I got the job. When I when I knew I was I was going up for it, and I read the script, and I was uh, hoping to meet Gareth. And oh my gosh, I just completely I don't know how I missed them because I love martial art films, um, but I absolutely loved it. And I was like, this is so interesting. And then I read the script, and obviously I can't say so much about it. And you're like going, wow. I mean, I think I had to read the script twice to understand what the hell was going on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just so exciting to think of. Okay, what elements of that is he going to bring to this? Yes. And and then. Because they are very, very different pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different pieces. That's so I was quite intrigued to know that that's you were making that like leap and that jump, and I was like, yeah, it was just yeah. And yet it really looks like there's some of it. I mean, from that from the yeah. Um, <coughs> in, in the first bit we've seen that very beautifully choreographed spear, death by spear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we try. We try. I mean, it's one of those things where it it, it crept in in moments <coughs> a little sort of like subconsciously at times. I know. I, I was looking to do something that was a departure from what I did previously, because, you know, I, I grew up wanting to be a filmmaker with a fascination in all sorts of different films. Didn't think I'd end up doing predominantly martial arts action films. So I knew I wanted to do something different. I was, um, when I came time, came time to write this, it was off the back of watching um, Ken Russell's The Devils. Oh. And, and I, I, I don't know why I'd never seen it before, and then I sat down and watched it and was just completely blown away by it. It was banned for a while. It was, like, yeah. It was <laughs> like but it was now on Sky Cinema, so yeah. I was like, all right, watch that. Um, change. Yeah, it does, yeah. But it was, it was, it was such an extraordinary film, and, um, and I'd, I'd wanted to do something that kind of... I didn't want to sort of like ape that style of sort of like 70s British folk horror, stuff like, like Wicker Man or Witchfinder mm. in general, but I certainly wanted to use them as leaping off points. And so... Um, there are, there are one or two moments within the film that probably hark back a little bit to what we did in the raid, but never in terms of being sort of overly choreographed, stylized action. I wanted to sort of step away from that a little bit with this one. It, which leads us nicely to your, your uh, photographer, your cinematographer, yes. Matt Flannery, uh, who shot, you, you worked together on the raid films. On that? everything we've done, so yeah. Oh, right, so you go back, you're, you're a team, are you? Since, since university, right? We shot, we shot some short films and features that will probably never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. You say that. Thanks to not having YouTube back there. Well. <laughs> yeah. um, but then I went over to Indonesia to shoot the films that Gareth was working on there. Um, so much like Ellen's character, I was held hostage, and <laughs> tortured. And, and then Gareth came to me with an idea for a very small, self-contained film <coughs> that then turned into a period 
Welsh horror thriller where he's building his whole village. So, yeah, in typical Gareth fashion, it turned into something else. But it was nice to come from Indonesia, and this was the first, really the first professional film I'd done in the UK. Mm. Um, so, you know, to do it in Wales especially was just you know, an amazing experience. And, and to talk about the, 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 the landscape, the light as well, which is something obviously that, that, that you're probably the most concerned with on the whole set. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was going into it. Obviously, this is set in a very windswept, uh, overcast island, and we thought Wales would be perfect for that in, <laughs> in March, April time. Um, and, of course, we had the most beautiful sun, <laughs> the best weather I've ever experienced in Wales. So <laughs> it was kind of like being back in Indonesia, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just such a such an amazing location to be filming in. Um, around Margam, you just have such you know beautiful textures there. So you, you, do we go out of the village as well and see some of the wider landscapes? Yeah, so we, there's there's various locations. Um, they were all around Wales, so we go you know around South Wales. We did we did some some work in West Wales. So just there's so much you know scenery to pick from there. Mm. Um, and is it just a, a cinematographer's dream? You just get to the top of a, of a, of a hill and go, wow, I've got to, got to capture this. Yeah, exactly. You see, it is. You go up to the top of a hill and you look in every direction and you're just spoiled for choice. You know, there's, there's obviously Patelbert steel works that have to be, you know, subtly shot around. But apart from that, you know, it's, it's, you feel like you're in a period film when you're going up to those places. So. Mm. And, and what about the um, sort of the interiors as well? Because you mentioned this set and you see that church in there as well. What, the, the, the look that you're going for, for that, did you base that on something or is it just the inside is, is what it is and, you know, it's got its, it's, got its own character? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, obviously I've worked a lot with the production designer, Tom, to, you know, really make these locations feel like they're lived in. Um, obviously, with the period setting, it's a lot of oil lamps and open flames, so a lot of working around that, which is a nice experience for me because I've never done a period film. Mm -hmm. So obviously using, you know, those torches that, thankfully, the wind didn't take your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, See what it did to my hat. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so it was just, you know, it was working within, you know, obviously these amazing locations that were yeah. built. You've got so much textures there, and it's just supplementing them, really. The, um, and the sort of action that you did in the raid, I mean, if people have seen it, you know, there's a lot of kind of close quarter stuff. It's all in one sort of flat, and it's about how this amazing cop gets out of this <coughs> block of flats, mm. really. It's kind of all... I mean, it's extraordinary. You think, how long can this film go on? But it, it really <laughs> does go on, right? And 100 minutes of extraordinary kind of getting out of tight spaces. Um, that, that was your sort of, you know, your, your modus on, on, on the raid, and then raid two is a bit, bit sort of bigger. You know, did this bring sort of new, new shots, new skills to your palette? Yeah, I mean, from the, from the way we work together, we try to bring as much of our kind of ethos from shooting out in Indonesia. Um, but this is a much weightier drama, so it was it was nice to be able to really get into some of those more dramatic scenes. Um, but I think we kind of had a nice combination of the way we shoot stuff, and then you know working with such amazing talent with the crew and cast here. It's just it feels like a completely different experience. Mm. Mm, and it looks it too. I mean, Ed, you were putting it together. How how how, how was that in Wales? Was was there was there a moment where it, this was always going to be in Wales, or was there a moment where you thought, mm, well, maybe I'm going to have to do some of this? I think, I think Gareth uh, ch championed from the absolute outset that he wanted to he wanted to make a film in his own mm. in his own backyard, and it was you know music music to my ears and music to the cruises. I mean, um, you know, I, I think you know there's a huge amount of talent in the crews in Wales, uh, and give, but giving people that springboard to, to come and play on something of this scale was, 
was superb. I mean, we, I think we looked at one location down in Cornwall. Yeah, we did. We looked, for, we looked for docks for the, for the boat that, they would get, that Dan would get on early on in the movie to travel to the island. That's right. And we looked at a docks because we, we needed a boat. And then, um, and then, then our, and then the amazing production designers went, oh, I'll build you a harbour and I'll build you a boat. Yeah. And we, were, we were like, really? And then he did, and it was astonishing. Was like, oh, this is great. It's very handy, this bloke. He's, he's, he's Tom, incredible. Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom. I need, I've got a side return that he's We doing. all love Tom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, but we, we like, because we, it would be this thing whereby we wanted to, well, there were certain places we wanted to shoot in, and we wanted to shoot in uh, Pothkain, yeah. the, the, the docks there. And um, there's like a blue lagoon area, which is just like the most astonishingly beautiful mm. landscape that I'd ever seen. And we were so keen on shooting there, but we had so many, it was so, it was so difficult to get. Cause we, we needed a, a, a steamboat. We needed to get a steamboat in there. And then obviously with the tides, it would keep rising and dropping. And that doesn't help when you're shooting 12 hours continuously over, over one scene. So um, that's when Tom turned around and was like, why don't we use that as a reference point and I'll just build you the docks and build you the boat. And so, yeah, thank God he did. Gareth is very persuasive during it, during prep. So when you go, I don't think we can go to Port of Ghana, and he's like, why don't you hire a Chinook? And you're like, who hires a Chinook? And it's like, yeah, you could lower it into the... And I was going, oh, really? So uh, in, the end, in my defense, that. that was a Tom suggestion. <laughs> all right, okay, there we go. Yeah. But, it was, but um, all, uh, what, what we're sort of seeing is this, so all of these facilities, all of it's available, uh, and, and the skills and, and the production skills and the know-how is all available there. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I mean, there's a huge. Um, I mean, I get. I, you know, economically, like, you know, the M4 corridor. There's a huge, obviously, in London, massive, massive resources, and they and they and they stretch. They stretch west, um, and, and there's there's you know, about ten, fifteen years ago, the whole Doctor Who Sherlock um, commitment to Cardiff has, has meant that the, the talent base, the, you know, the, just the number of people working out of Cardiff has sort of. Uh, Sort of skyrocketed, and there's Pinewood now, and, and Pine, Pinewood are there as well, and, and there's and um, there've been a number of U.S. shows that have come over and shot shot in Wales. Uh, with um, the Welsh government have been sort of actively going out and actually trying to encourage those big productions to come in, and it's I think it's been win-win really for for everybody. Mm. And putting the finances together, there's is everyone's no one's nervous about it when you say well, we're going to shoot in Wales, we're going to build a village. It, it was all easy to put together for a producer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to be honest. I mean, it, it, sometimes you think to yourself, oh, is somebody going to be funny about having to come down to Wales? I've, I've never actually met anybody who has any issues with coming and shooting in Wales. I mean, we're very confident that people who come down, we can, we can give them a really good time. Mm. It's, a, it's a stunning, you know, we're all from, you know, we're all sort of, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet. We're all from there. We love it. Um, and I think, the, you know, the, the, the crew are largely local. And, you know, it's, it's a sort of... Um, and we can all stay with Mr. and Mrs. Sheen. Yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. And I think I think it's about it's partly about ambition as well, isn't it? And that's one of the things that I was really excited about that Gareth brings the excitement about filmmaking. One of the things that really struck me when I first met Gareth was just how much he's excited by films, not just, mm. not just you know films he's watched and the filmmaking process and that. I think as much as how lovely he is as well. That communicates, I think, on, on the set, that he's excited by it and, the, and he wants to be uh, you know, a major filmmaker, making great films full of like, the love of film and the excitement of film and the idea of that in Wales. And kind of, you know, we have such amazing talent in Wales, we have such amazing crews, we have such amazing landscapes, but what we can always encourage is ambition, ambition. You know, tell our stories on big scale with you know, international clout. And we've got... You know, as Alan was saying, you know, there's a lot going on in Wales, 
But to be able to now just take it to that next level, I was really excited by the idea that this film could be part of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a mentoring scheme uh, as well uh, that you use to, to mm. encourage young talent uh, at the foot in the door scheme. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were going to be here with us tonight, but um, unfortunately, the, the, the weather, the, the London weather, <laughs> has scuppered that, not that well, they couldn't get here, I'm afraid. So we have the foot in the door scheme. Uh, we're going to have representatives from them. So tell us about that, uh, or whose initiative it was, and, and, and how important that it was, is. It was an initiative uh, that, that um, the production championed. Uh, everybody involved with the production championed, um, but it was working with the Housing Association in South Wales and with Film Cymru Wales, bringing uh, uh, bringing individuals in who um, who who had a lot of barriers towards get, getting, into the, getting into the industry, whether that was the people who'd fallen out of education for certain reasons or, or to do with childcare issues or, or, you know. And it was, everybody had their own story, but we basically brought people into the production, working with different HODs and, and gave them a completely immersive um, experience. And it wasn't just a sort of, you know, come and have your photo taken and all the best. It was actually, you know, the goal at the beginning was, you know, at the end of this process, at the end of this year, some people should actually find themselves in full-time employment. And some of them have. Um, so it was a sort of... In the, in the, in, in the, in the industry, yeah. So we had a number of people, people who went into the art department, into costume and makeup. Um, and it was people with trans sometimes transferable skills, you know, somebody who might have been a hairdresser and then stopped to have children and then never got... And actually, they came back and we like, you know, have a week with, a, you know, have a week with costume and makeup. And actually, they've got... The skills they just hadn't realised that those opportunities were there for them. When you were when you were starting out as actors, uh, was the, were, the, were the opportunities there in, in Wales like this now, or has have you seen in the last sort of five six years it, it really grow, Ellen? Um, do you mean from an acting point of view, yes, or do you so mean from the jobs, but also from you know if you were going if you you know we all start out kind of I want to I want to get involved in that industry, but you know you might not even know that you can be hair and makeup on film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's definitely more accessible now. Um, I mean, I wasn't very aware from it, but I, I mean, I grew up in Aberystwyth, um, but I, I think. I think it's definitely something that did exist, I think, but now because there's so much more filming in Wales going on that it's definitely opened up like so many doors and so and many opportunities. And as well, as well? Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot more. When I, was, you know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure it's the same for most people, that because all I saw on screen was what the actors were doing, I assumed that's all it was. I never thought about what else was going on. You know, it was only when I started working in the business that you see what a huge community it takes and, and how varied a community it takes to, to make a film. And I think one of the really important things about us having productions going on in Wales is that it offers the opportunity to bring young people to the set yeah. so that you, if, you can't, if, you know, if you don't see it, you can't be it. So you know, when, when, you, when people assume that um, unless you can act, I think, early on, and maybe you know a bit about a few other things, that there's no place for you in, in the in film world or the creative arts. Whereas if someone comes along and sees hair and makeup people, stuntmen, pyromania, you know, pyromaniac. Pyromaniac. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because, because funnily enough, you know, one of the problems we have in Talbot is that every summer the mountains get set on fire. And there are, you know, young kids who, you know, for whatever reason, go up there and enjoy it. And I remember saying to one of the chief police officers in Wales one day, I said, you know, we pay people to do that on mm. films. If they, you know, a, a sort of half joking, half serious. Anyway, he took me up on it and, he, and, the, and the kids who got arrested for setting the mountains on fire got taken down to one of the studios, you know, and you don't know what doors that opens for people. I've seen a, I've seen a film where that happens, where they, right. they set the uh, mountains on fire in, yeah. in Port Talbot. I can't remember which right. film it was, but... Uh, 
wasn't the passion, was it? You don't do it in the... In no, we don't do it in the passion, no. But, and people like Edward Thomas um, has done amazing work about bringing, you know, having educational projects where people got brought down to Bay Studios in Swansea during Da Vinci's Demons and mm -hmm. things like that, and, and really putting energy in, into, into opening the process up to young people because, you know, suddenly there's, there's pathways that can open up and the Foot in the Door scheme does a similar thing and I think the, the more of that kind of work that can happen in, in, across Wales, the better. Well, and what about you, Gareth? Because, I mean, I was going to say, you know, obviously they're the opportunities, but you actually went to Indonesia. To yeah, it was, a, it was one of those weird things. It was like, I think technology changed rapidly in a very short space of time. Um, I know when we were in university. Where like, was that? In Glamorgan University, which is in Pontypridd Forest area. Um, and when we went there, um, you know, all of the sort of video equipment, all the, all the editing suites, it was VHS recording cameras, and there was two VHS tapes for editing. Um, and then literally, I think about, about three, four months after we left, it was the whole, oh, mini DV boom. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know, non-linear editing. It was, it, was, it was having Final Cut Pro everywhere. Um, and so it, we kind of came from that generation where it was sort of, everything was sort of like on the cusp, but you never really quite knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. Dragon Studios was still being constructed before mm -hmm. we'd left, before I'd left. So it was that thing of like, okay, well, that's supposed to bring something, but it's not quite there yet. And so when I was a kid growing up, I mean, I grew up in, in Hiroin, which is a very, very small village in, in, the, in the valleys, and it was like my only access to learning about filmmaking was you know, every Christmas watching ITV and seeing America's greatest stunts. And it was like, it was the only time I could get a glimpse of anything which was behind the scenes. So I didn't have connections, I didn't know anyone. And to be honest, mostly my own fault, uh, I just didn't kind of do any of the networking, didn't get to know too many it's people and stuff to, like that. In the valleys to network. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have the Ariva trains and stuff like that, so that works sometimes. Um, but, um, but, but basically being in university then, and, and it, you know, I did a course, it was media technology, and it gave me access to the cameras, it gave me access to the edit suites. Um, any dissertation I have, I would try to morph it into something that would allow me to make something, no matter what it was, big or small. Um, and I, that's when I started roping Matt into it, and I'd be like, look, I want to do this thing. I need someone to operate the camera, because Matt was doing a writing course, also a photography course. So I started saying, oh, look, you know cameras, you could do this thing. And then that's how basically we became this weird little sort of partnership. Wow. Then. He certainly um, knows cameras from, yeah. from what I've seen. But, but that's the benefit of it. It's like the thing of like every project that we did since then was almost like a little bit of a step up. And I was able to give you slightly better cameras as we got through it, everything. <laughs> one of them. More torture. More torture, yeah. 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 Matt's claustrophobic. The next one, he's got a 70 mil. He's going to be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Matt's terribly claustrophobic, and I've put him in so many horrible short spaces, small spaces yeah. every time. Every film gets smaller. And <laughs> Um, ladies and gentlemen, it is fascinating finding out about all this and, and, and the Apostle uh, as well. We haven't even we haven't, we've managed to do this. We haven't even got the film to, to, to delve into. But uh, I do think it's time to uh, open up the, the floor to you guys as well for questions that you might have for, for any, any of them here about how to get into film, this film in particular, their careers, uh, and general knowledge questions as well. That would be quite amusing to see how they are <laughs> on that. Uh, there's a gentleman here. I think we've got some glamorous. We do have glamorous assistants. Um, <laughs> so if you could just wait for the microphone, he says, the gentleman in the middle with the red tie. Long journey, short question. <laughs> Where do you get the villagers from? How much of the film story did they know when they were playing their parts? 
And what happened to them all afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have one of them there, here, right there. There you go. Maybe she can answer the question. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great working, uh, I mean, I, I do work as an extra, so, but it was great working for, for the team. The set, the ambiance, you know, sometimes when you go on an extra on a, on a set, you have to sit quietly and behave like a good This one, it was mad. <laughs> <laughs> and good mad, though, you're right. It was, it was mad. And the night scenes, <laughs> it was, was great, but, and it was cold, because we had the ocean coming in, Magum Park faces the sea, so we had to wear long johns and all kinds of things underneath our long, heavy costumes, but it was great, it, it was, it, it, we were like a family, wasn't mm. we? A massive good family, but never. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was great, but soon as they got all the villagers, and all of us, How many extras did you have? Oh God, well, we had a full village. Ed would probably have a better idea of the numbers. Oh I kept asking for more, but yeah. You did. You did. I was going, oh, last night, yeah, no. But it was, that, that, there, was, there, was, there was some the big crowd days. I think, I think the church scene was probably the most populated because it was the one opportunity where them. we could have the most. <laughs> one, two. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to count? Someone count. Is, is that you there? That, that's me there. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, see? There we go. <laughs> but yeah, we had, we had um, I, think, I think at most, probably about 60 to 70, yeah. I think. Yeah. We had a big festival sequence where we needed pretty much everybody we could get. We had about 60 to 70 and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, we wanted, we wanted to serve the village to feel like it was populated by lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds. So while Michael adopted like, the Welsh la uh, accent for the character, then we had other actors bring in different sort of dialects, different sort of accents to make it feel like it wasn't one place. We didn't want it to feel like it was just one island, one sort of community. Mm. Thank you very much, ma'am. Well, you... I tell you something now, <laughs> he's great to work for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know... It was great. It was a real Welsh film. Uh, a, a Welsh oil, as you would say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's another question, also in the middle, uh, the lady with a hand up. Hi, hello everyone. Um, are you tempted to make uh, a film in the Cunnan Valley? I'm from Aberdeen myself. Oh, nice. And um, I would love to see a film based in the Cunnan Valley. I had, um, I got told about something, there was, this, is, this would be another period piece. Uh, I got told about something in Merthyr, uh, around about um, Cavartha Castle area, that there used to be, a, and I'd never heard of this before, and it was about five or six years ago, a friend of mine 
told me, I think he works for Merthyr Council now, so um, yeah, he had all the info on it, that there was a place, there was like dwelling set up at the time of the sort of the Industrial Revolution, the time of the sort of steelwork starting, there was an area around there where there was sort of temporary housing, because there was such an influx of people coming in to find work, about 20 to 30,000 people just came into Merthyr all of a sudden. And there was all these sort of dwellings made around this area, and it was named China, it was called China. And uh, um, when the people who worked there were able to find their own you know, proper housing around the area, that that place became almost like a slum. And it became like this place where there were signs outside saying, like the police would say, like, if you go in there and you've taken your wallet in, we're not helping you if your wallet gets taken back. So it was almost like a no-go zone for the police. So there was always something kind of interesting about that that I was sort of being drawn to, but I've not done anything with that since. Um, I, I, I know I, I had somebody come up to me, talk to me about um, potential for like a, a story about Owen Glendur. I'm fearful of doing that right now, to be honest. I think I want to grow more as a filmmaker. If I ever get an opportunity to do that, I'd rather have a chance to kind of step up process by process. I see a, a, a lot of filmmakers these days, they do like a, an indie film and then suddenly it's like, boom, here's your 200 million blockbuster. That's frightening to me. That would be, that's too big a leap and I want to, increment bit by bit, bit by bit. And as the, for me, it's more about telling stories I can really believe in and, and sort of like commit to each page of it. So um, that's why I've been a little studio shy in a weird way. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, well, you don't so anyway. seem to need, need it with the, <laughs> the, you know, you get the budget here. Exactly. You don't get the interference and all that. Um, Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. He'll be knocking on your door to stay at yours. <laughs> he does film. We've got um, some questions down here as well. Two gentlemen, are you together? Not like that. Not like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you never know, the, the night is young. <laughs> um, first of all, thank you very much uh, for being here and braving the snow. Um, I grew up outside, uh, dare I say it, Newport. Oh, there you go. Back in the, in the 80s, we didn't really have the opportunities that you were talking about earlier, where we, you, know, you could access uh, filmmaking and creatives and that. Uh, as aspiring actor, but going into wanting to make film myself, I have had great inspiration listening to you about taking film back to Wales, because that's mm -hmm. where a project that I'm aspiring to make, I want to take back. How, my question to you really is, how is, is it, I want to build up a crew and people locally, but give back something perhaps that I wasn't able to have when I was growing up there in the 80s, which is accessing that group of talent um, that might be from a lesser background. How easy is it to find those people and give them opportunity to work in as an AD role or as a, you know, as a gaffer or help assist with the light? You know, any, any, any means to getting those people, how is it? I think, when you go, I think when you go to an area, there are two types of production. There are some productions that, that land in an area and put, put the fence up you're either inside the fence making the production or you're outside the fence and you're not invited to the party. I think there are other productions which land in an area and, and they reach out into the local community for, for extras. They, they, they go to local companies for suppliers, whether that be food or that be materials or that be... And the word starts to spread in an area about the production. And then relationships start to form. And I think if you, if you approach production like that, it is a production and a community engagement. It's not, you don't have to write a policy paper about it. You don't have to sort of go out of your way. It's just, I, I think it, I've always felt as a producer that it's not, um, it's not a burden to do that. It's actually a really smart way of producing. 
Uh, because, I mean, I, I, I worked on a, a drama series in West Wales called Hinterland, which was a sort of detective show, and we landed in Aberystwyth. There was no, nobody was making sort of television series in Aberystwyth, but actually the engagement we had locally there was phenomenal. And it's because we just went to the university, we went to the taxi ranks, we went to the, went to the hotels, we went everywhere we went, and then we, you, you, you just... By the third season of that, half the crew were people who were from Aberystwyth. Um, so it's a sort of, you know, I, I think it's just, it, it's just about being open to where you're shooting. And not, not, it's very, some productions, I don't know why they do it, but some productions do put the barriers up. Uh, and I don't see who, it doesn't, I don't think it serves the production or the local community when you do that. I think one of the other things as well, like we, because I know we, we had the benefit of some, some people from like Cardiff University, from other universities, once they found out the production was going on, they would, you know, volunteer to be members of crew because they wanted to be able to shadow certain HODs and, and learn from them and have that experience. Like all of these universities have students who want to be on a film set. They want to be making films. And you know, that's, that's part parcel of it. It's giving them those opportunities to have that kind of experience. I know when, um, uh, when in, in sort of like the late 90s, going back a bit now, um, there was a website, there was like a forum space called Film Shed that a friend of mine run. And it was kind of like this weird little online community for all of us sort of like super low budget independent filmmakers that we would just go on there and kind of like share ideas. Oh, we did this yesterday. How did you do it? This is a kind of like our methodology. Sometimes it was like DIY special effects. Sometimes they were like really bad short films that we'd made and, you know, thankfully they're not existing anymore. Um, <laughs> But you know, it was it was the spirit of this community, and there was like like a friend of mine, Andrew Jones, who's based in Swansea. He's making films all the time now, and and he, he, he turns them out like about three or four years sometimes. And um, on his second film, like I, I I was free one day, and he'd seen my first first super low budget film, and asked me about some of the blood rigging that we did. And so you know, I drove to set one day just to do uh, a blood spurt for him on, on, on his second film. And it, but it was that, that was that thing. It was a shared community. And it's, it's finding people who are like-minded enough. Like, we all, we all wanted to make films, and we all needed crew to make films. And we realized that if we were all working together, suddenly we were a crew. And that was sort of like a large part of the starting point, really. You, you're just still doing blood spurting, I notice. <laughs> Even, not too often not anymore. Too, well, I know yourself, but in this... Uh, this a little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. My father's from Patalbot, so it was very special to see uh, some clips, especially in Margan Park. Nice. Uh, I wanted to ask Gareth, what was it that inspired the story? Um, because it seems quite unique and mm -hmm. uh, very different to perhaps a lot of things that are being shot at the moment, and particularly in Wales. So was it a specific tale or legend? That I, had, um, I had a short film that I half shot going back about, um, are we 2003, I think, 2004, it would have been. Um, and um, it, was a, it was a short film initially. It was a, it was, it was a contemporary set at that point. And um, I shot most of it in my nan's house. <coughs> um, my nan passed away last year, but it, there was this thing where one of the props from that short film was like a little numbered raffle ticket. And uh, she, she, she kept hold of it and told me, Oh, I'll look after it because you, you'll come back and finish that short film sometime. And I never did. And it was like for years and years and years, it was always like under the clock on the mantelpiece. And she, every time, even when I moved to Indonesia and was making um, The Raid and The Raid 2 and stuff, and she'd see all of those films. 
It's a weird experience to watch one of my films with my nan, by the way. But, um, uh, she really enjoyed them. Um, she, uh, she loved the violent movies. Uh, um, and Paint Your Wagon. Sorry. Uh, anyway, um, so she, every time I'd call her up from Indonesia and I'd be talking to her, she'd say, like, oh, I've still got the ticket. I've still got it. It's still there. If you ever want to make it, come back in and film it. And, um, and so that was the initial concept behind what became Apostle. There was like, it was the seed of an idea. And um, I, I had been, I, I'd come back from Indonesia, I was living in the UK, and I'd been developing something that was gonna be my next thing. And it kind of fell through for lots of different reasons, scheduling and budgetary and everything else. And so I was like, fuck, I really wanna make something. I remember telling my agent, agents and my manager, I said, oh, um, okay, I'm gonna just, I just wanna shoot something, I wanna do something like, a, I'm gonna do, do a horror film. And so they were thinking, great, commercial, straight away. They were thinking, you know, it'll be like, don't breathe, or lights out, and stuff like that. And then I sent them the first page, and it's like, it's 1905, in England. And they were like, oh, okay, it's that one, okay. So um, it, it, was, it, was that, it was a combination of that seed of an idea. It was wanting to do something that felt different. It was, you know, delving into the world of the devils and Witchfinder General and, and, and Wicker Man and, and, and being influenced by that style of filmmaking. Um, it was looking at different ways of the, the cinematography. I wanted to change what we were doing. I wanted the DNA of the raid to kind of be there, but the look and the feel of the film to be ever so slightly skewed. And so that was sort of the, the, the main sort of did you have, genesis. Did you have Michael in mind, Dan Stevens in mind? I, I always, whenever I start writing, I never think of anyone. Because if I do, I get into the worst. And I think, I think if, if when it's you guys, if I, was, if I wrote something based on a speech pattern they had in some other film or TV show, I'm not doing them any, any favours yeah. then. Because I'm writing to a character that's not the character on and the And then page. you can't get them anyway. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. You couldn't get him. So. But, um, so then, but you know, that stuff, all of that, 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 I never write to someone. I was right, just what that character is, because then I'll get all of that, all of those speech patterns, all those affectations, all those elements of character will come from working with the cast, working in, in the room, workshop in those scenes, and figuring out what stuff just doesn't work and what stuff needs to be revised and changed along the way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sorry, did I answer your question? I think it did. Yeah, you, you did. Very much. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it from a raffle ticket. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, yeah, um, there's, but so we'll go to you first because you're on the same. Uh, there's a lady, lady at the end of this row, so and then we'll come to you. <coughs> Hi, I just wanted to know what was the scope of visual effects on the film, and what were the challenges? We we had quite a lot of visual effects in this one, um, more towards the back end. Um, I remember when we were first tallying up the shots for VFX, <laughs> that I thought I'd been a good boy, and then about. An hour into the film, I was like, that's not too bad. It's not, not too much. And then it just snowballed as the film went on and on and on. Um, we, I've been very, very beneficial to work with a very talented um, VFX artist named Andy Noviant, who's based out in Indonesia. And we've engaged him to do like, a, a large number of the VFX shots for us. And, and then on top of that, we've, like, for some of the more complicated, more complex VFX shots, we brought in uh, two companies and Bait, um, who have done a huge amount of work on it and been excellent, and a company called Squint, who've come. Are they, are they Welsh? They built based in Welsh. Welsh yeah, based, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bait, Bait absolutely are, and Squint are based here and now in Wales. They're, they're sort of got Chepstow, two offices. Chepstow. Sorry. Squint are they in Chepstow? No. Uh, Squint are. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I. They came to see us, so I haven't been yeah. to their offices yet. So yeah, but they've done great work. Um, it's and um, it, yeah, I think in terms of the shots, it's probably about it's about three hundred VFX yeah. shots or something. It wasn't supposed to be. It was like, like Matt said earlier. I always start off and say, "Oh, we can do something small under the radar," 
And then I start writing, I'm like... One room. Oh. Yeah, one room. <laughs> yeah, every time we finish a production, I say, oh, we'll do, we'll, do our, we'll do our sort of like romance, drama, comedy thing next. It'll be the quiet one where you don't have to run around with the camera because we, we have a tendency to shoot handheld a lot, but not like pure handheld. We like using the, the fig rig, Mike Figgis steering wheel rig. Mm -hmm. And so we've used that pretty much like 80% of, of every shoot. We've, we've relied this on that. Well, this one as well. This one as well, yeah. Less and less, the older we get, I think. <laughs> it tends well. to go more on the dollies and the dollies. <laughs> My back's fine, it's all right. Oh, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> um, yes, so the, 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 she was first, so we'll go to the lady behind you. Um, um, I'm just curious about where else we might see your film other than on Netflix because it's so incredibly cinematic and actually when we were looking at the clips there's so much attention in the soundscape and the sound design and the score and I just wondered if they were going to have some sort of festival launch before it goes on the platform. We are still, because we're still finishing the film right now, yeah. so it's one of those things where we've got about, about a month left until it's yeah. done. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where it's kind of a little too early to tell what the release strategy is, if I'm honest about it. Um, we've, we're just playing it by ear, really. So once, once we've kind of got the film done and finished, then we'll have a nice sit down and chat and see what happens with it, really. But I mean, I think our, our thing is, no matter what the medium is, we've always designed it to feel big. We've always designed it to feel like it's sort of like all encompassing. Um, yeah, I think that's about it, really, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix haven't got a date for it yet. It will be will be this year, but later in the year, so we don't even know that yet. But, uh, festival options are available. Yes. Can competition? Well, April we probably finish. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, they'll let you know. Yeah. Watch, what, what, which space do they watch? I don't know. Apostle.com. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Netflix probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the question in front there. Hello. Um, you mentioned about the, you had a bit of workshopping. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that process. Was it Mike Lee style, or was it half script, half workshop, or more of one or the other? It, it would, I mean, we'd, we'd, every day we would start by sort of saying, okay, the, like we, we'd sort of compartmentalize it each day. Like, so these are the key scenes. And, and, and the first thing that we would do would be to kind of like talk to the actors about their characters, about what their backgrounds were, and you know, what was the relationship? Because you know, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where, for some of the cast, they're, they're meeting for the first time. And so in the pre-production, it's like when, I know when Michael, you and Lucy first met, you know, we, we'd spend like an hour plus, I think, just discussing what that relationship was like between father and daughter. You know, what did he think of her ambition? What did he think of her interest in medicine and <coughs> science and things like that? Would it fly in the face of his religious beliefs? Well, you know, how would he react to all of these different things? So we kind of, it, it, we take it away from the script first to get a feel of how those characters would behave in, in, in any environment. Because it kind of, once you get that reflex end of how you would respond, the rest of it sort of follows then. But yeah, I don't know if you want to elaborate what, on what that. What that bring yeah. to you? Well, there's a lot of layers, really, we had to work on, wasn't there? Because on the one hand, you've got the individual characters and their backstories, and then because it's family, then the familial relationships and what that dynamic is like and friends. But you've also got you know, this character who has created a society and a community. So we have to work out, well, what, what is that society? How does it work? You know, and some of it is in the script and some of it you have to mm. 
you have to find out because if you're going to portray it, then it has to, you have to buy it, you have to believe it. And uh, so we had to talk about that. And you sort of slowly, hopefully what happens in that situation is that as you build up the kind of society, the community aspect of it, you start to see opportunities for individual stories to suddenly click into place with, so things start to, it has a quite organic feel at its best so that then I'm starting to make choices and decisions or we're talking about them about my character that are as a result of what we're learning about the society that my character has created. You know, So it sort of builds like that it, when it works well. Yeah. And I think when people talk about a good creative process, it's, it's very much to do with that, that things that arise naturally out of lots of different strands coming together, you know, the look of it and, mm -hmm. and, what, and what the original intention was, you know, what was the inspiration, and then me going, well, my, when I read the script, I felt this about the character, and this is how I connect to it. If all those strands can suddenly find ways to click into place and it creates something, and then that's you, a good creative process. Do you come up with some, like, sort of Mike Lee, do you come up with some dialogue that then filters into the script that, that you, oh, not improvise, but then you go away and write? Yeah, write. absolutely. We, we take notes throughout the entire process, so anything that they're that they given <coughs> to me, whether it's in a rehearsal period where there might be, like, an improvised line or, or something, we, we'll, we try to, like, listen for all those little golden moments, and then we start, like, jotting them down and trying to remember, oh, what was that thing that was said? And so we kind of like me, and then also I think like uh, Aram, uh, who was one of the producers from XYZ, was sitting in on all of those, all of that process. And so we would be kind of collecting our notes at the end of every day, then going like, that was a great addition. There was a great sort of challenge of a, of a line of dialogue here. There was a shift around, and all of that goes back into the script, and it becomes a new draft and a new draft. And that that process keeps evolving, and it keeps changing. Um, you know, we we, we evolved the 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 story, the story of the film. Even when we were filming it, there were certain bits and pieces where we would like question certain things, and, and you gotta keep questioning that. Like you can't, you, you never feel like it's 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 always perfect. Now, as long as you keep questioning and keep kind of like looking for ways to make it better, to make those relationships stick and make them feel real, then um, then you're onto a winning thing there. And I always yeah, I was just gonna say um, when the the first the first day we were, I was in the room with Dan. We were working on some of the scenes, and you know, we obviously, as brother and sister, hadn't seen each other for such a long time, and it's such a heavy moment. And there wasn't very many words written mm -hmm. in that scene, and so you felt like you wanted. There was so much to say to each other, but as we were working through it and discussing it and, and trying it out, and you kind of like, and Gareth's not. Um, like protective um, or precious at all about his writing. He was so enthusiastic about us playing and just really finding an authentic moment. Um, it was it was quite nice because you just you you when you're allowed to kind of play around like that, you realise actually you don't need to say a lot. You, you know, you can just a moment and a look can kind of like can can hold that. Um, yeah. Sorry, I lost my. Time. I was going to say a good sign, I think, is when. Uh, happy accidents occur and mm. out of necessity something that can seem like a problem be suddenly becomes something that you embrace and all kinds of interesting things come out of it and I use as an example the fact that uh, I couldn't walk properly when we did this film <laughs> so I, I just over a year ago I had surgery I, I, um, my, I snapped my ACL tendon in my leg and so this was the first job that I did back. I had to have six months off, essentially, and you know, uh, and um, and heal. And the film was going to happen before really I should have been up and, up and about. So, but I really wanted to do it. So I didn't want to, you know, miss out. So we were like, okay, well, maybe 
I remember saying to you when we met up, I was saying, look, I don't know how, mm. how like, ready I'll be to, you know, what I can do and the physical side of it. And we were like, well, we may need to make that part of the character. So, like, we'll have to have a stick. Mm. And then you go, right, how do you incorporate that? And then you go back into the backstory and the flashback. You go, well, how does he find this stick? And what is this stick? And, and suddenly it becomes a part of the story and the character. And now I can't imagine playing that character without yeah. <laughs> having a stick and a And you can see in the scene, you know, I'm pushing people and yeah. prodding them. And, and it just becomes a part of it. And I always think that's a good sign of a good creative process where things like that just get, you open yourself to it. And I'm sure as, you know, creative producing as well, where it's essentially a series of problems and yeah. challenges that you have to <laughs> overcome. Do you, do you resist that or do you go with it and do you lean into it and does it become part of the process? You know? How did you snap your anterior cruciate ligament? You weren't doing Brian Clough again? No, no. I do enough fight in a film. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And in, in the name old. of duty. It's just getting old. <laughs> it is. You should see the other guy. <laughs> <coughs> Dangerous stuff. Uh, there was, so we've got time for, we actually got time for one more question, I'm afraid, really. And I, I, it, that gen gentleman was sort of first, so sorry about that. Uh, sorry, it's probably not the best question to end on. You've got a lot of pressure uh, on that. <laughs> it better be good. Uh, no pressure, just all the pressure. <laughs> it's actually a um, cinematography question for Matt, but I was just wondering about the um, during, during early um, sort of pre-production, the sort of choice between shooting on film or, or digital. Was it quite uh, an easy decision? Because uh, I believe it's shot on digital. Yeah. Was that a budget thing? Or? Yeah, we, we've shot pretty much everything we've done digitally. The main reason for that is because... Gareth is um, a master of many takes, because um, I think Gareth's got such a strong eye for detail. If the shot's not right, we go again. So obviously, budgetarily, it's, it's a no-brainer to shoot on digital. Um, I think probably Ed would have a heart attack if we shot on film. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd, we'd perhaps, kind of, it, it just matches our, our style of shooting. You know, we like to shoot fairly fast, and we don't like to have a lot of setup time between shots. Um, so yeah, it just it, it matched what we do, but I think for any format, it's dependent on the project, dependent on what the story is you're trying to tell. So yeah. One of the extraordinary things that I discovered about the way Gareth works is, um, and I'm, I wonder if this affects the digital thing as well, whether you could mm. do it if that he in, for fight scenes and big actiony scenes, he's essentially editing it as he's shooting it. Yeah. Am I right to say that? So so that it's, you know, he knows that he's got it. Instead of, like, what, normally what you would do with a fight scene or an action scene, traditionally, you would do bits of it, different angles, and, you know, and then eventually the editor would put it together. And, but Gareth is actually doing it bit by bit. Like, right, we've got that, now we move to the next bit of it. And, then it, and presumably that's how you shot the race. Yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't, because it was all that. Yeah. So you wouldn't know what you've got. You wouldn't know what the film is it, if you weren't doing it. It comes from a place of doing previous design. So um, we always, We've always done this in now of martial arts rooms where we, we shoot what the fight looks like beforehand and we know every cut, every edit, every shot of it. And then so when we're on location, we're shooting it for real. Then once that shot is done, Danu, our uh, dit guy, who we, we had like two crew members actually from Indonesia join us who came on from the Raid 2, Raid 1 and 2, came on board to, for the shoot as well. And Danu was my dit guy and he would send me um, the files straight away onto my laptop 
so that we'd have this little wireless recording of the footage that was coming off the camera, and then I can actually drop it into the edit on top of the, the, the previs, so I can see and know that shot's fine, that's good, that cut works, and then we slowly build it and build it and build it with the real and version. you're doing that while you're on set? And yeah, right? we'll have a little sort of like tent somewhere with a laptop set yeah. up, so it's, it's the frustrating thing of just being like, um, I think it's good. Give me two minutes, and then I'll run <laughs> off, and then drop it in and cut it. And then I don't think it. anybody on the I don't think anybody on the crew had ever seen a director work like that. I mean, it was mm. it was it was astonishing. You'd have you'd have people hanging from rigs in a stairwell, and then the director, where's the director gone? And then Gareth would be in the next room, sort of yeah. the piano on his yeah. keyboard, and he'd go, he right, that's great. Onto the next shot. We look, jeez, right, okay. But it's one of those things. It's that, it's, it's that thing. It, it was it was something we did on our first martial arts in Indonesia because we were so afraid that we would drop the ball. So it was sort of like a safety net, and it was a thing of like, well, we know we got that scene. We know it works. We know it cuts together. We didn't have the budget to sort of like say, oh, we'll come back and do pickups. We never had that as, a, as an opportunity for us. So it was always a thing. Of, it, it has to work now, and it has to be today. And so then once we once we had that process, it was like, okay, well, everything everything cuts together fine. We got our scene. We're good. I'm presuming right. you can only do that if you're working on digital. I is that right? Yeah, it, yeah I think Pretty so, much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, I hope, I hope that continues. And uh, when, you get the, when you do get the Star Wars 25, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, you'll be doing it that way as well. Saving, saving Lucasfilm and Disney. Less minutes. blood, though, probably. A little, little bit. Oh, I'm Glendur of the last Jedi. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid we um, we are going to have to. You could you could probably find them afterwards and, and ask them some questions. But I'm afraid for that moment we, we've got to. We've even gone over uh, our allotted time. But it has been an absolute pleasure uh, for you. Thank you for all your questions. And really, it remains for me to thank our, our, our fantastic panel: Ed, producer Ed Talvin, <laughs> Matt Flannery, DOP, Gareth Evans, writer director, Ellen Reese, and of course Michael Sheen. Thank you for coming, and uh, I don't, I don't know any. I think I do know the word. Dioch, dioch, dioch. There you see, dioch as well. There you go. There you go. I did, I did my job. Thank you very much for coming, and thank you, BAFTA Wales and BAFTA London, for having me. Thank you for that. That was great. Thank you.